It's the eve of the 2020 presidential election, and I would like to welcome you to the 17th edition of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. This is Marguerite Paquin, continuing with this podcast to accompany my horoscope blog that tracks the days of this calendar. This will be a little shorter this time as I've had laryngitis recently and my throat is still recovering, but we'll see how it goes. Please forgive me if there's still a bit of raspiness here and there. As always, we're working here with a calendrical system that has at its core 20 unique solar force energies that work in tandem with 13 unique numerical powers to create a core cycle of 260 days that involves the interconnecting and cycling of those energies to create a count of days called a Zolkan. These are the energies of life, energies observed by the ancient Maya and encoded into their calendrical systems. As noted in my horoscope blog, Traditionally, the first day of this oak, spelled O-K or O-C sometimes, pronounced oak, energy period was celebrated as an ancient Mesoamerican feast day of renewal, oriented around the idea of guidance, justice, and the restoration of life. The entire 13-day time frame was originally thought of as being under the patronage of Jipi Totec, the Lord of Renewal, and Quetzalcoatl, the Lord of Life. In terms of this Tresina overall, the emphasis traditionally is on fire, warmth, guidance, renewal, and on the planting of seeds for change justice, and creation. Although much of this seems to be on steroids at the moment due to the U.S. election, with such divisiveness in that country. In the blog, I noted that in the past, many key events have taken place within this Tresina that have been associated very specifically with the fate of the United States. These have included world-changing events related to Presidents Nixon and Kennedy, and even pivotal events associated with Hillary Clinton's bid for the presidency. With regard to Nixon, it was the Watergate scandal during the early 1970s that took two years to sort out, but ultimately the smoking gun tape that contained evidence of obstruction of justice was found during this Tresina, which ultimately led to Nixon's resignation. With regard to Hillary Clinton, it was during this time frame, during the summer of 2016, that she made history by becoming the first female to be officially nominated as a presidential candidate by a major U.S. political party. At this time, the day after the election will mark six Zulkan 
cycles. That's six times 260 days exactly since she delivered her acceptance speech as the Democratic nominee for president at the Democratic National Convention with every expectation that she would actually be elected president. Currently, this is the 40th Gregorian anniversary of Ronald Reagan's landslide victory in the U.S. presidential election. That was in 1980. But let's just have a look at where we are right now. Today, which is November 2nd, is for Ben, a defining energy related to the sun in number four, related to personal authority and self-determination. That's Ben. And on this election eve, this marks the 100th Gregorian anniversary of the day in 1920 when women voted for the first time in the U.S. This is the Maya birth energy of the pioneering political activist Emmeline Pankhurst, the founder of the suffragette movement in the U.K. Their organization, founded in 1903, called the Women's Social and Political Union, wasn't aligned with any political party, but was dedicated to enfranchising women through any means possible. Their slogan was, Deeds, not words, with the idea being that they would not tolerate being ignored by politicians. Rather, they would push forward through demonstrations, hunger strikes, and even vandalism at times in their effort to be heard and recognized. This woman was a fighter. She was imprisoned several times, but always re-emerged to battle on. She died just two weeks before the British government extended the vote in the UK in 1928 to all women over the age of 21. In 1999, Time magazine named Emmeline as one of the 100 most important people of the 20th century, stating that she shaped an idea of women for our time and shook society into a new pattern from which there could be no going back. So it was her birth energy that was in place again when Hillary was nominated and when the first article of impeachment was approved against Richard Nixon. It's also noteworthy that Emmeline's spirit resurfaced just two years ago when her great-granddaughter Helen released a book titled Deeds, Not Words. Following in the activist footsteps of her influential forebearer, Helen Pankhurst expressed concern about the ways in which Trump has been using his position to reverse the tide of hard-fought progress for women. So we are on the cusp of a very, very critical moment in world history. And to boot, 
this specific for Ben force is marking precisely 80 Zulkan cycles since the assassination in 1963 of President John F. Kennedy. May the spirit of Emmeline speak loudly and clearly to the women of the United States at this time and push, push, push them to get out there and rid that country of the darkness that has held it hostage for the past four years. Then on another level we find that this four Ben energy is in place at this time on Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead in Mexico and in many other areas, particularly throughout Latin American communities. Traditionally, this would have been a very colorful celebration where families welcome back the souls of deceased friends and relatives for a brief reunion. Elaborate altars would be set up with flowers, particularly marigolds, candles, and the favorite foods of the deceased, as well as special treats such as sugar skulls and pan de muerto sweetbreads. Families would gather for storytelling, music, dancing, and feasting. In some places, such as Spain, this would be celebrated as All Souls Day, a component of the Christian observances of All Hallowtide, the time to remember the dead. The traditions are similar, as graves would be covered with flowers and candles to illuminate the way for souls to return to earth for a celebration of remembrance. One of the things that makes the Day of the Dead different from Halloween is that Halloween in recent years has had a tendency to place more emphasis on the macabre and gruesome rather than on celebrating and honoring those who have departed. Although skeletal images are certainly in abundance during the Day of the Dead, there is much more emphasis on beauty and festivities. Colorful attire, exquisitely painted makeup and masks, intricate decorations and elaborate floral headgear, particularly Katrina figures, elegant skeletal ladies with fancy hats or hairpieces, which were meant to mock upper-class females who tried to align themselves more with European ideals rather than with indigenous traditions. Overall, the idea was to bring in life, color, and energy at a time of the year when things start to go dark. And this year, of course, is 2020. We are all desperate for all those things that may have to be severely scaled back at this time due to COVID. But that doesn't mean that remembrance can't happen. Much can still be done and hopefully is being done in smaller family-oriented groups. It's also very intriguing that this forben personal authority energy, is in place at this time, now the evening of the Day of the Dead, or All Souls Day, 
as I record this. Day of the Dead is oriented around inviting the souls of the departed back to earth for a reunion. And let me repeat, this has come into place precisely 80 Zulkin cycles after the assassination of President Kennedy at the time of an election that is all about reclaiming the soul of America. It's rather a large thought. Election Day itself will be five-ish, coming in very shortly. This is a precision type of energy associated with mystery and transformation and power as in the awesome power of the jaguar, with the numerical part, number five, being the same as was in place on Election Day in 2016. And just as a point of reference, this marks six cycles exactly, since Trump expressly and blatantly asked Russia to hack Hillary Clinton's emails and five cycles exactly since it became known that various world spy agencies had alerted their American counterparts in Washington about contacts between members of Trump's campaign team and Russian intelligence operatives. This was specific, concrete, and corroborative evidence of collusion that was picked up by routine surveillance of Russian intelligence. Three days after this election will be 8 Caban, a resurrecting type of energy associated with evolutionary movement. This was in place in 2018 when Hillary's What Happened book came out, paperback version, where she bluntly stated that not only is American democracy in crisis, but her worst fears were that the crises related to the Trump situation had been repeatedly surpassed by reality. So very true. Eight Caban, which will be Friday, has several presidential connections. This is Jimmy Carter's Maya birth energy. He became the 39th president, serving from 1977 to 81. In 2000, this was the energy that was in place when Vicente Fox was inaugurated as Mexico's president. And significantly, this was what was in place in 1961 at the time of the memorable inauguration of John Fitzgerald Kennedy as the 35th president. Let's just have a quick look at some of the things he said during his speech on that day, particularly in light of the current election. Quote, Let every nation know, whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, 
oppose any foe in order to assure the survival and the success of liberty. This much we pledge and more. To those old allies whose cultural and spiritual origins we share, we pledge the loyalty of faithful friends. United, there is little we cannot do in a host of cooperative ventures. Divided, there is little we can do, for we dare not meet a powerful challenge at odds and split asunder. Further along, he said, to those people in the huts and villages across the globe struggling to break the bonds of mass misery, we pledge our best efforts to help them help themselves for whatever period is required, not because the communists may be doing it, not because we seek their votes, but because it is right. If a free society cannot help the many who are poor, it cannot save the few who are rich. And then a little further along, this. Now the trumpet summons us again, not as a call to bear arms, though arms we need, not as a call to battle, though embattled we are, but a call to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, year in and year out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. A struggle against the common enemies of man, tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. Can we forge against these enemies a grand and global alliance, north and south, east and west, that can assure a more fruitful life for all mankind? Will you join in that historic effort? And then a couple of lines later, the immortal words, Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Indeed, fingers crossed that enough Americans will be doing just that to put an end to the horrific gong show that Americans and the world at large has had to endure for the past four years. While all this is going on, of course, the pandemic continues to rage. In this regard, I want to draw attention to a couple of things that recently came across the news. One is an installation by Washington artist Suzanne Brennan Furstenberg, who is spearheading an amazing project to help people conceptualize the extent of the tragedy in the U.S., where there are now over nine and a half million coronavirus cases. With the help of community members, Suzanne is creating a massive installation of white flags, many of which have been personalized with the names of those who have succumbed to the virus, 
to illustrate and honor the lives of those who have been lost. As the artist said, each flag represents a soul. Part of the exhibit is a huge billboard that reads, In America, How Could This Happen?, which contains the daily death tolls of the numbers being lost, now almost 237,000 in that country. The installation is running over a two-week period up until 8 Caban on November 6th. There it is again, with more and more flags, unfortunately, being added daily. The other thing I want to mention is that we're now at the beginning of Native American Month. This is a time when there would have been many wonderful events in place to celebrate the rich heritage and important contributions of the First Nations of North America. Unfortunately, however, the pandemic is now overshadowing much of that. One of the most heartbreaking stories can be seen in what is happening to the Navajo Nation in Arizona with regard to the coronavirus. A BBC report on Friday highlighted what's been happening. Apparently, this is one of the worst-hit communities in the U.S., already one of the poorest regions. This is now referred to as the worst corner of the worst country in terms of deaths. The Navajo Nation has apparently suffered more coronavirus deaths per capita than any of the 50 states of the Union, even though safety measures were put in place early. Unfortunately, not early enough and there are few health care facilities in the region. To boot, other people in the region have not been very attentive to wearing masks, even though the Navajo themselves are being diligent. The news report highlighted a tent city in Phoenix, not far from a large medical center, but many people apparently are not taken in. Many are dying right on the streets. A Navajo undertaker processing bodies said that the Navajo do not traditionally even basically deal with death. Burial is done very naturally, but he can't keep up with the numbers. Just as a point of contrast, the Navajo traditionally felt that their land was blessed by God. Their entire approach to life was related to something called the beauty way. Picture, if you will, a big sky seen from the top of a mesa with some of the most spectacular canyon country in the world laid out in front of you. And this Navajo prayer. With beauty before me I walk. With beauty behind me I walk. With beauty 
above me I walk. With beauty below me I walk. From the east beauty has been restored. From the south beauty has been restored. From the west beauty has been restored. From the north beauty has been restored. From the zenith in the sky beauty has been restored. From the nadir of the earth beauty has been restored. From all around me beauty has been restored. When I visited the Navajo region a number of years ago, I could see that in the beauty of the people, I could see it reflected in their lovely art, in their songs, in their dances, and in the sacred way in which they interacted with Mother Earth. While it's true that many did not have a great deal of material wealth as compared with the outer society, there was extraordinary spiritual wealth. So this is a great, great tragedy. Please send light and prayers for their recovery from this horrific ordeal. The end of this Tresina at this time brings us to Remembrance Day, Veterans Day in the U.S. on 13 Eek a Maya energy that translates as transformational wind, breath, and spirit. If ever there was a time to stop and remember, it is now. Remember all who have been lost this year. Remember all who have fought for and are currently fighting for goodness and peace and justice and equality and humanity. Remember that we have a planet worth fighting for. At this point, it will be one cycle since the day last February when Nancy Messonnier, the CDC's top official on respiratory diseases, warned the American people that disruption to everyday life might be severe due to the coronavirus. Her advice that Americans should prepare for the inevitability of community spread greatly angered the Orange Menace, who would go on to become the super spreader in chief, but many did take her advice, and San Francisco, for example, immediately declared a state of emergency, which enabled city officials to assemble resources and personnel needed to deploy a rapid response to potential cases. At this critical time, we might also think back to the Battle of Dunkirk just over 80 years ago in the spring of 1940. Germany had invaded Holland, Belgium, and Luxembourg during the first stage in the Battle of France, and British and Allied forces were knocked back 
to the beaches of Dunkirk, where they became trapped by the German army. For some reason, the Germans halted their advance on Dunkirk for several days near the beginning of this same oak, Tresina, which allowed the Allies to organize an evacuation. The call for assistance went out, and over 800 vessels, both large and small, raced to the rescue of the stranded troops. The evacuation happened between four men, that key day I just spoke about, the defining of personal authority, and 13 eek, this transformational last day. During that 10-day period, a seemingly impossible situation was turned around by the unselfish involvement of ordinary citizens who leapt into the breach to save the lives of hundreds of thousands of men who were cornered in a hellish situation. Over 338,000 soldiers were rescued. The bravery and force of intent that went into this rescue operation became known as the Dunkirk Spirit. That is definitely what is needed now. As always, there is much, much more that could be said about all this, but for reference, the days of this Tresina are highlighted, as always, in my My Account of Days horoscope blog at whitepoppress.ca. This horoscope blog can also be accessed through mayacalendararts.com, where you can find earlier podcasts, a variety of related posts, and information on such things as coaching services and personalized artworks. For anyone who might like some assistance directly from me in terms of exploring how these energies may work within your own lives, there are a number of options outlined on that Maya Calendar Arts site. Feel free, if you wish, to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in the websites as well as information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog. I want to finish up by returning for a moment to the beauty way and the words of Billy Yellow, a Navajo medicine man. Beauty will come in the dawn, he said and beauty will come with the sunlight. Beauty will come to us from everywhere. Where the heaven ends, where the sky ends, beauty will surround us. We walk in beauty. But first we have to get rid of the darkness and the strife. I'm going to include a link to a beautiful Navajo healing song in the podcast post. You might want to have a listen if you're looking for a few moments of peace and tranquility in the middle of this week's madness. Keep up the good fight. We'll get there. Until next time, be well, keep safe. Love to you all.